Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop shrunk down, gamma radiated, and aired live every week, only on the non-productive network, the only place that would have us. I'm your host, Frank, joined in studio as always by Ken and Pete. Hi, Ken and Pete. Hi, Frank. Hi. Oh, come on. Don't screw the pay. Oh, Near Mint, we rake and review comics from best to worst. That's Mint, Near Mint, Good, Fair, and Poor to you newbies, and try to guide you on what to read and what might be better to avoid. We have some interesting comics today. as a smorgasbord. I think uh, we have uh, a mixture of... Uh, I don't know the publishing house of your book, Ken. Was it Dark Horse or IDW? Uh, boom. Boom. Wrong. I am completely wrong. Indeed you are, sir. All right, but close enough, somehow. <clears throat> I got a DC book, a really big one, and Pete, you've got a smorgasbord of Marvel, right? I, I got a, well, I got a couple Marvels and, uh, well, maybe for, maybe one from another one. We'll see. Okay. Well, all right, let's get through it. Let's get it's, to it. Let's it, it is Marvel adjacent, though, <laughs> yeah, I, I have I to admit. Well, I mean, rapidly, everything is going to become uh, that other one, I think. So, uh, yeah, that's a teaser. So... Let's begin with a, a book we've actually been teasing for at least a week or two now on Near Mint. Uh, Ken, you have had this project you've assigned yourself because <laughs> nobody has told you to do this. No. And we've actually implored you to stop. But what are you doing? Uh, following up with my reading of the un, unproduced script to Alien 3. That's right. Uh, I wound up finding 20th Century Fox uncovered Rod Serling, Planet of the Apes. That is amazing. This book is amazing. Mm. It takes Rod Serling's original first draft copy of Planet of the Apes and adapts it to show us what could have been. That's Hmm. so cool. And it really is. Um, We find that uh, the original astronauts' names are different. Instead of Taylor, that was portrayed by Charlton Heston, his name is Thomas. And no other changes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you would think. Um, The story follows most of the major beats of the the film. Mm -hmm. The the astronauts land on a planet. Um, They have no idea where they are. One of them perished during landing. Um, And they wind up going through this weird jungle and find scarecrows and humans that can't speak. Um, once they find out that the humans are scattering, the apes show up. And when we originally see in the movie, they're on horseback. No, these are coming in on helicopters and cars and wrangling up. So the time period of this is, is shifted. It, was originally supposed to follow the Pierre Boulle novel where the apes actually were civilized and had a, had a culture very close to ours. That's so cool. That would have been, I, well, for, <clears throat> for immediately, I know why they didn't produce this movie. It would have cost way it, too much. Yeah, it oh, would have yeah. been ex- too much. They had to reuse all the Western sets. Actually, uh, even the astronauts, when they land, actually have a uh, all-terrain vehicle that they, they drive in instead of walking through, through the uh, deserts. Wow. Can I ask you guys something? Have you have you read the novel? I've not. No. Yes. Okay. What was I, I may have been misinformed on this, but wasn't like the original thing something like you didn't know 
I the, can the maybe status quo on that one. I like, can I can answer what I've heard from legend, and maybe Ken could chime in with what the truth is, because uh, just in case the legend is is just more interesting than the truth. Yeah. Uh, from I grew up hating this movie uh, when I was very young. I I always had a migraine on whatever <laughs> something about the film quality and the score. I always got sick, but I was a big Twilight Zone fan. And then one day I found out proto internet. I don't know how that Rod Serling did the treatment for this yeah. and that there was a twist ending at the end. And I've always knew what the twist was, but I didn't know who made it or why. So I actually forced myself to sit down and watch the whole movie and fell in love. So I think originally, the original novel, there isn't a twist. He, they just land on a different alien planet Correct. with where primates, other primates, evolved to be okay. the primary. Well, be- I, but, I think we're talking about a different thing. But it oh. is it is a, a, a culture that they have that is supposed to be advanced. I thought that it was a a twist, that there was a twist ending, and it was that you didn't actually find out that the apes were in, running the world until the end. It was a twist, if it makes sense, it's something that you couldn't have done on a film. Oh. oh like the book that. never described them as apes. Oh, oh, oh. And you, I you see were you meant mean. to think. There are a lot of sci fi novels from like the 70s yeah. and earlier that played with the. Oh, oh you don't the aliens know. were. Yeah. You, yeah. We were the aliens. Yeah, we were them the whole time. There's a couple yeah. of them were like, yeah. But it I, wasn't that. I don't think it was no. this book. Okay. Um, but so, so that's true. It actually, in the original novel, it's an alien planet with primates on it, with non human primates in charge. And then Rod Serling did the twist of, no, it was Earth. Right. Oh, that's so cool. I'm so happy that turned out to be true. <laughs> I was going to be very disappointed pointed if it was just legend all right cool but um so it follows again a lot of the beats uh the main character is shot in the throat so he can't speak so he's they think that he's a normal standard human he's thrown into a zoo until the one day when he breaks out and um he he's he opens his mouth and, and voice and and the apes hear him except it th- this takes a different twist um do you remember the, the the film series at all? Yeah, in the in the movie, they uh, as he speaks, they they are shocked, and then they right. have to, it's basically a, uh, the monkey trial, but right. in reverse, where they have to prove that you know mm. primates are not in fact or humans are not in fact intelligent. We kind of have that trial, but instead, it opens up where it's almost like King Kong, and Thomas instead of Taylor is actually on stage in front of a huge audience of apes where he's actually explaining who he is, where he comes from, how their cultures differ, and allows like a Q&A session to the oh, point where... Oh, was there a monkey in a tuxedo introducing him? <laughs> Probably. With a big top yeah. hat. Oh! That would be amazing. I, I see the monkey now. It's... um. It's an orangutan. It's, yeah, I mean, uh, but the bow tie is a picturing. nice bow tie is a nice ad. I think. I was, yeah. I was picturing. Yeah, the bow tie is nice. Yeah, it's it's good. It's just not everything I hoped for. Mm. So Thomas is on stage. Yeah, and uh, it, it's an open forum for him to you know, explain who he is, where he's from, how their cultures differ. And he opens up the forum to that, ask questions. Yeah, that is a little different than the original the actual trial. Yeah, they're not yeah. immediately trying to murder him. Yeah. But what happens is this changes because it's not about the apes against him. He he's actually becomes welcomed by them. And if you remember the series, it seems like one of the sequels later on took from this original script ah. in Escape from the Planet of the Apes when Cornelius and Zira come to Earth. And they're I walking see. among mm. the humans and, be, and being accepted at one point. There's beats of this where uh, the paparazzi is following them, asking them questions for newspapers and the news. 
Um, he takes a tour of a zoo, just like Cornelius and Zira did on Earth in, in the other movie, uh, where he finds one of his friends stuffed. Oh, all right. So, and he beca- he becomes like a minor celebrity. Correct. So it's kind of it, the, the apes welcome him the way we welcomed Shirley Temple. Exactly. Yeah. Literally okay, the cool. same way. Yes. Exactly. For the same reasons, really. Yeah. This Adorableness. Wonder from beyond the stars that landed in a yeah, spaceship. Look at bright eyes. God. They don't. they 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 give him his own um, hotel room to live in or apartment to live in. Uh, so he can actually walk out and do whatever he 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 he, he chooses. He's got a water bottle, and you know mm-hmm. it's 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 nice. a little wheel, his own little bed. Yeah, right. <laughs> We're introduced to Nova, and she actually is still a minor role, like in the original, mm-hmm. but it's a different take on her because um, Thomas falls in love with her, but then with his newfound freedom, decides that he's going to take it upon himself to see if he can educate and help evolve the humans. To the point where he gets Nova to learn to speak and serve and uh, and do like common chores around the house. I don't know if that's better. <laughs> well, I really don't know. If, I don't think that's better. They're living a normal type of husband wife relationship to a way from wife. the 50s. And he's yeah yeah. And he's training her. Well, you got to remember when it was yeah. All right. Mm. But um, you know, to the point where he actually gets her to speak. <laughs> he teaches her to memorize specific mm-hmm. words. Can a woman to... be taught to speak? That was the actual twist in the original screenplay. Oh, God, this is embarrassing. So let, without doing the play-by-play, how did this come off as um, as a uh, as a, a purist, I guess? as a, Or at least as a fan. How did What did you think of this? I think it was completely interesting to see what could have happened. Yeah. And uh, I, I like some of the original ideas, understood why they were changed. Um, but... And then you could see how this script was used to affect the future stories on top of it without being, without directly saying this is where it came from. Right. Uh, I, I think it's really super cool. I think Dana Gould, who wrote it, did a fantastic job adapting it. Um, now, we're taking out mm, some of the boring parts of them yeah. just trekking across the Forbidden Zone in the beginning. That's all fleshed out very quickly. It's fast paced. As you said in previous, uh, in the last episode when we talked about this, Dana Gould is a fan. He's a huge fan. So I wonder how much of the Escape from the Planet of the Apes was originally in there or if he said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make this a little bit more escapey. As far as I'm concerned, as far as far as I can see from, uh, because there's uh, some write-ups in here too for everybody. It's, it's, it's a direct adaptation as far as he I did a quick look for Escape from the Planet of the Apes. It's, Rod Sterling isn't giving, given any credit for, uh, um, for like screenplay or well, no, you know, just like I think they just anything. took a concept and yeah. just kind of ran with it that they might have seen or might have you know maybe someone else read it and forgot and about. He's no it. Harlan it's like Ellison. How, it's not like no, he's going to yeah. figure out a way to get the credit. And it's like how you didn't have to credit uh, West Side Story didn't have to credit William Shakespeare for Romeo for Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, but it's if, like yeah, it's loosely based on it. But this is a different story I, I feel like this is a little less loose though than than romeo and Juliet, west side story you know willie shakes yeah. wasn't there uh in brooklyn the interest the, the other interesting thing about this is we still get that twist at the end with that iconic image mm-hmm. but it's a lot darker at the end ah uh, yeah i can i can imagine it. no no no, not, not because of that it, it's what actually happens to, to thomas oh, when man. he finds right. it i gotta i gotta borrow this i want to read it or pick up my own copy. It's, so, so yeah. what do you rank it? Dude, it seems uh, pretty obvious. I'm already a fan, but even if I wasn't, just getting to see a piece of history 
actually sh uh, shaped. It's a mint, dude. It really is. Nice. Great. Oh, that's always good to hear. See, I don't know. I, I, I respect your thing, but I read the Star Wars from in, the Dark Horse put out. Mm. Right. You know, the, the, Star, the Wars, Star Wars, the, the yeah. George Lucas's original treatment. And just just seeing that piece of history does not necessarily make it a mint. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you. I was like, there's a reason drafts go through revisions. Yeah. Behind the scenes is one thing. How the sausage is made is another. And yeah. there was a lot of, lot of pig lips. I, I guess the best way to put it was... While reading this in the back of my head the whole time, I'm, I'm just screaming to myself, why couldn't we have seen this? Oh, man. Well, you know, we probably can. And hey, you did. That's the yeah. joy. And I think that's what we've discovered on these comic book adaptations of yeah. screenplays. You get a chance to have your uh, cake and eat it, too. Very cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I'll break things up with one of my yeah. uh, brief reviews. Sure. Uh, I'm going to uh, tell you folks a little tale. From the good folks at Marvel called uh, The Age of X-Man Alpha. Right. The thing that Number even one. us seasoned comic professionals thought was a typo. When, yeah. we when you originally told us you read X-Man. No, X-Man. x, -Man. x if, you, if you recall, uh, is the moniker of Nate Summers. Yes. Who was the twisted version of Cable from... Age of Apocalypse, the oh, seminal God. 90s uh, X-Men story. Hey, 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 hey. calm down, Frank. He was actually one of my favorites. Yeah, you and were he was, young. Uh, he was the primary antagonist in uh, the recent X-Men Disassembled storyline, uh, which, which just wrapped up in Uncanny X-Men. Mm -hmm. uh, and this falls directly after that. Uh, and we are treated to kind of a mirror version of his home world. Uh, instead of the Age of Apocalypse world, we are now in the Age of X-Man. Okay. So it, it's a uh, it's an entirely new society, an entirely new world that has been created by an ostensibly benevolent uh, mutant. Okay. Sounds and interesting. In this world, we are told, uh, it's a perfect world. Everyone's a mutant. Uh, Charles Xavier's dream has been achieved. So it's Marvel in the 90s. <laughs> oh, get it? <laughs> I get it. Everyone's a mutant. Sorry, Charles yeah, Xavier. No, somehow there were still people around to hate them, though. Yeah, that's right. That was so important. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this is, um, no, now everybody's a mutant. Mm -hmm. And uh, X-Man and the X-Men run the world. And... Uh, well, folks, there, there's two kinds of uh, stories about the future Yeah, that people write. Uh, there's the future where everything seems horrible and terrible, but it's really horrible and terrible. Dystopias. Yes, and you, you get to see everything just a complete mess. And usually you have a lot of really cool, tough-looking dudes, tough-looking versions of the people that you know. Pouches on pouches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the kind of future where everything looks nice and perfect, but and it's is actually utopia. really awful and terrible. Oh. All right. Which is also a dystopia. Yes. And nobody ever writes stories about utopia, except that one, like, way back, one yeah, of the Greek the dudes the wrote name. it. Yeah. I forget what it was called. Mm. Uh, but, yeah. We can't let a monologue like this anymore. This is dangerous. Yeah. Well, okay, so this this is the world that we walk into, and... I'll be honest, this book really reads more like a, uh, about 
32, yeah, 32 page commercial for the upcoming launch of Age of X-Men mm. comics. Doesn't even really, it, it, it does set up the stories, but we're going to see what the X-Men are up to in this. We, we see that uh, there's a, a fleet, a, a franchise uh, system of Cerebro schools that are training all the new mutants, which apparently come from hatcheries. Okay. Uh, this is just, this review is boring. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm trying to spice it up, but it's, it's, it's very awful. difficult. Uh, yeah. We find out eventually that apparently love and intimacy are outlawed. I really thought those were two mutants. <laughs> love and intimacy. Might as well. They be. may be. Yeah. I, I haven't. We haven't been introduced to everybody. So we're okay. in the. So we're in the, the the future of Demolition Man. Oh yeah. Yeah, but there's apparently a a a budding relationship between Bishop and Jean Grey. Okay. All right. The time on that. No, oh, you know what? Why not? Yeah. And age uh, is a number. And Bishop gets busted and locked away because of it, and Jean Grey gets her mind wiped. Uh, this is it's like a three strikes you're out policy, and apparently he, Bishop struck out with other women. I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the perm. No one likes it. But yeah, and we're introduced briefly. Oh. We, they, they tease the uh, the resistance to all of this, who is uh, led by a unexpected figure. If you don't do math in your head. Okay. <laughs> if you do like story math in your head, you can pretty much guess exactly who is going to be leading the resistance in this weird uh, mirror version of the Age of Apocalypse. But I won't say anymore. I'm not going to spoil it. Yeah. Uh, I think they've done a pretty decent job of that by themselves. Oof. No. Uh, it's it's not awful, but it's it's yet another weird alternate reality. And I'm a little upset that they're not being clear about how this fits into what's going on in the real world. Because they've already given us glimpses of what appears to be the real world, where the X-Men have vanished, and nobody knows what's going on with them. Cyclops is looking for them. But is it, does that happen after this, or... Or is it completely unrelated? During this, yeah. Is it completely mm. unrelated? I don't know. But... I, there's six new books coming out, uh, six new series coming out for oh, you to follow God. this, just like they did with Age of Apocalypse. Right. So if you were a fan of Age of Apocalypse and its format, then you might like this. If you were a fan of its, uh, of its gritty post-apocalyptic future, or during apocalyptic future, it's kind of weird how to describe that, uh, you probably won't like this. Because that's not the future you get. This is this is the surface utopia, brave new world, Fahrenheit 451 kind of future. Eh, I could see someone still being into it, depending on what you hate about the future. But exactly. yeah, I get it. It's like, if you like Mad Max, if, if you're looking for Mad Max from your future, this isn't what you're going to get. You're going to get more of a brave new world. Right. Uh, all in all, you know what? It, there's nothing bad enough to give it a poor Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give it a a high fare. Hey, I guess fair. Yeah, uh, there's some uh, redeeming qualities. It, it but could get great. better depending on how the story plays out, but 
This one, unless you really want to commit to buying X Men books for the next couple of months, like, like if you're a fan of spending yeah, you, money, you fa- do this. Yeah. Yeah. This this is a storyline I think you can probably pass on. Mm. If if you want to take a break from reading X-Men books, this might be the time to do it. Well, it's unfortunate the future of the X-Men universe involves a denial of love and intimacy, but hey, you know what? DC's all about it. DC has put out an anthology book. Uh, I don't know why that <laughs> sounded so angry, but yeah, that DC didn't sound had, angry. It sounded full of wonder. It's oh, like, no. wow, DC put out an anthology book. The cosmic agony and ecstasy of mysteries of love in space. space, 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 space. Uh, yes, mysteries of love <laughs> in space. It's a DC anthology book, eighty page giant. Wow, uh, set out uh, in the theme of love. Uh, for this season, obviously. I'm sorry, you have the book right in front of you, mm-hmm. and I, I can't help but laugh at the cover, seeing the title and who is on the cover. Yeah, so basically, this thing is an homage on the surface to uh, the love stories, uh, romance comics of the, uh, I guess, mostly 50s and 60s, uh, where, you know, you would hear horrible love tragedies between characters you don't really care about, blah, 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 blah. Only the characters in this story are DC regulars. They ah. are actual main characters. So it's a little bit more like the um, the Lois Lane comics from the 60s and 70s, where she's pining away for Superman, and oh, woe is me, and will Lana Lang somehow get involved that kind of deal uh it's it is an anthology story so i think there's like a half dozen stories in the book with various different characters and the cover right in the front like it uh, it's the perfect homage to that style we've got superman and uh kind of looking over his shoulders angry at uh, and saying what does lois see in him and it's <laughs> lois fawning over dark side uh dark side is the love of my life uh you will be happy to know though the tongue-in-cheek corniness Ends there. I mean, it's a little bit of fun in the cover, but just like those books back in the day, uh, the cover doesn't really tell <laughs> tell you anything about the stories that are inside the book. The stories themselves are mostly done seriously and are mostly, I would say, well-crafted. I think that, you know, they're not corny, cheesy stories. Uh, we have a couple characters I'm going to go through real quickly. Uh, we have the new gods in an apocalyptic love story. Mm-hmm. Kilowog stars in Old Scores, Fresh Wounds. Bizarro in Backward Heart. Actually, maybe I'll <laughs> slow down a little bit just so we get a little bit more context. The apocalyptic love story obviously is the cast of uh, the, 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 the apocalypse, new the new gods, right? So they are the dark side and his crew and uh, what have you. Kilowog is, of course, the famous Green Lantern, and it's a little story yeah, in there. trainer of there. the lanterns. Exactly. Bizarro, I think, is pretty self explanatory. He is Superman's evil clone or evil good very good clone yes that's the way i'll say it hawk girl in galentine's day hawk girl is one of a founding member effectively of the justice league space cabbie whom i did never heard of before this and i believe exists yes yes i remember this character space cabbie who is a space cabbie mm-hmm. in gps i love you <laughs> the best the best story i think of the bunch maybe it was just very weird actually uh crush who is a character i'm not super familiar with crush in a, book, a story called crushed crush is apparently uh lobo 
Lobo's oh. maybe bastard daughter. Yes. Maybe. Oh. We're not really sure. She's not really sure. But she looks like um She looks like she could be. Garian. I can't remember. I can't remember how to pronounce Lobo's race's name. Picture Lobo's daughter, and that's what she looks yeah, like. Yeah, effectively. Uh, Lois Lane and Superman in glasses, and Adam Strange in the Planet Pendulum uh, Holiday Encore, which is actually a, a book from a period book uh, by Gardner Fox, which is a nice little addition oh, they added okay. at the very end. Uh, so, yeah, uh, quite a few stories in this, eight in total, I believe. And honestly, these are some really interesting takes on love for the most part. Um, I don't even know how to to do this. I don't want to spoil any of the stories, but I do want to give a little bit of detail. The um the the Apocalypse World one is gut-wrenching. It's pretty brutal. Very brutal. In fact, I almost was going to rank this book lower for the brutality of that first story cuz you pick up that cover and you're like this is going to be fun and funny. And the first story it's it's gruesome. There's 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 about it's about a revolutionary group who's trying to uh, rise up against Darkseid, and you could imagine how well that goes. Wow! Right? And there's love in the time of trenches. You know, like what? Well, oh, uh, just it, it's it's a punch in the gut, really. Um, uh, but uh, you know, impressing impressive to to do that in a story. Followed up with a Kilowog story about you know this effectively this army uh, trainer this 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 guy who's like a police captain who's trying to train his recruits talking about how you have to make commitments to people and be okay to put your heart on the line because you know, you never know what's going to happen and it's the only way you could form a team, but having troubles relating to, to other people himself actually having problems making those, those connections with the outside world and putting work ahead of everything else. Again, blows your mind on how serious this is. This one, I think because it's not as, um, melodramatic as that original war story this one just feels sad huh yeah again this pick up the book it says miracles mysteries of love in space and you're like oh this is gonna be fun first two stories are either really grim dark or like oh man this is depressing poor kilowog <laughs> i want to see i want to see uh-huh. him be happy uh-huh. and he's got his little hippo head and everything you can't what are you gonna do <laughs> Bizarro. Well, that's got to be fun, right? Yeah. No. What? <laughs> Bizarro gets his heart broken. It's not, it's gradually less dark. This is, le- once again, a, even an order of magnitude less dark than the Kilowog story. But, like, he gets his heart broken in a way that's really cool. A new character. I think Wait, the new character is brought in. He got his heart broken in a way that's cool? Yeah, it's like... That kind of sounds weird. That kind of sounds bizarro. Yeah, effectively. Bizarro, it's, he actually refers to it as the best and worst day of his life. And even if you do the bizarro thing, it's switching around. Yeah, it it's works. the best and worst yeah. day of his life. He meets somebody, and it, they actually seem to get... Like, it's a good connection. I wish they would get back to... I wish they could see each other again in other future books. I don't know if the character brought up in this story... I think uh, Saladin Ahmed brought her up, and I don't know if this is her first appearance or not. But uh, hopefully she will be back in future books. Uh, our next story, Hawk, or, Hawk Girl's Galentine's Day. This is interesting. Um, this is one of the least least typical love story we've gotten so far. Everything else has you know pretty solid romantic love. 
Uh, Galentine's Day, which I believe the first time I've ever heard it used was in an episode of Parks and Rec. <laughs> the famous Galentine's Day is the day you kind of hang out with your girls and just have fun. It's interesting. So, you know, uh, this backstory, I, I, I've heard people talking online. I think, Pete, you said that there was a there was a kind of a, not an uproar, but people said it was amazing that this is going to be like a, a major story arc. Was something Hulk like that. Yeah. I, there's been some... They were hyping this uh, story. All I can think of is they've once again put a divide between Hawk Girl and Hawkman. Uh, for some reason, Hawkman's missing in action in this story. It seems as if they are known, like the destiny that a thousand year relationship is over. I don't know if Hawkman's dead. I don't mm. know if he's if they've just broken up in this in this lifetime. I believe he's 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 gone. He's not there. But like he, they they kind of know where he is. Yeah, in it's, general, it's weird how often this Hawk Girl Hawk Man relationship comes up in comics, uh, and how often it's broken up. It's like people only want to talk about them as a doomed love affair, which I guess has always been there. That, that's pretty much the pattern. Yeah, yeah, but it's usually like that's an arc, not just the status quo. But for some reason, it's been status quo forever. This story has very little to do with it. I mean, there is the heartbreak in the background, but it's about, you know, connecting with other people and sharing your pain. It's an interesting story. And in that story, they allow a giant space monster to mate and run amok. Yeah. Really, just read this. This is very. I don't. Okay. I. I want to know whether or not this is right or wrong. We can any one of these stories. I don't mind expanding and spoiling a little bit because it's a review show. Space Cabbie, insane <laughs> GPS. I love you. It's a love story between Space Cabbie and his cab. Well, yeah. Didn't they make a movie like that with Joaquin Phoenix and his and with Siri her? or whatever? Yes. This, oh, I, for a minute there, I thought you were talking about heavy metal. I feel like there was a bit in that one of them. But no, this yeah. GPS I Love You is a ridiculous story. Very, very weird, but fun. Uh, Crushed is probably the maybe one of the darker stories in there. I don't know if they quite delivered on this one. Uh, Crush is uh, crushing on a wrestler who is just apparently like aside from the fact that these are all aliens they are played like straight they're they are wrestlers professional yeah. wrestlers in uh California and they, there's a crush going on and that kind of ends a little weird and then the Lois Lane story I actually think is genuinely sweet Lois and super if you're a Lois and Superman fan I think you will enjoy this examination of the relationship which has always been kind of weird you know, it starts off with Lois calling herself an idiot for never realizing who Superman was. Well, uh, exists sort of in that nebulous space that anthology stories tend to, where like, I is this a world where Lois knows who Superman is or not? It's it self. Hence, it stands on the, the title. title. Yeah, it's it's good. It's a really good story, and I feel like um, I could see. It's it's a complicated relationship. It's been around for decades, and it's always like it's different to, for different people. It, all these anthology kind of are uh, these um, legacy characters. They always have like a lot of baggage with them. But I think this is a very sweet version of their take, and a very interesting one too. And Lois is cool in this story as well. I think Lois is very interesting in the way she sees Superman, um, for what it's worth. So uh, the whole thing is just all over the place. Be wary when you pick up this book. It's not a fun book. It <laughs> is not mostly fun. There's maybe, uh, honestly, there's like half the stories are at least a little amusing, 
but even they have a little bit of gut wrench in there. Ooh. And at, at least two of the stories, maybe three, are dark. They're like, I don't want to just stumble upon that. <laughs> That's it's it's messed up. I think Crushed is probably even worse than Apocalypse, uh, an Apocalyptic War love story. Uh, I butchered that. An Apocalyptic love story. So, anyways, my review of this book uh, is, well, you need a Valentine's Day book. You have to have one. So, I would recommend this one. I'm going to go Near Mint. I definitely think it was worth the read. It was absolutely worth the read. Nice. Yeah. I think it's fun. I think everyone will find something that they like in this, uh, just as long as you don't go into it thinking that it's going to be... Uh, goofy fun the Sappy whole way melodrama. through. Yeah, there isn't, mm-hmm. which I think I appreciate. I don't know if I could handle. Remember the old swimsuit issues that came out? Uh, Marvel used to do them. I have no recollection of those. You really? Right. No, no. Yes, God. I know. All right. So those things were like, hey, let's do this. It's a it's a take on a genre. And I look through them. And I'm like, I I can't. I can't even pretend to enjoy this. It's too it's too deep in the weeds for me. <laughs> if this were like a straight actual romance series of romance comics i don't think i'd be able to pick it up mm. I, I don't think i could handle it uh because those were really hard to read back in the day but the this was actually pretty good cool i'm gonna i'm gonna jump on that because we're we're doing anthologies now mm-hmm. uh <clears throat> and i'll share one that i actually thought was pretty fun uh, it's a bit shorter but it's a, it's another one of marvel's 80 years uh series of uh throwback anthology comics uh this one's a, a sci-fi jaunt uh called journey into unknown Worlds." oh nice and uh when we say sci-fi th- this is very much the uh the twilight zone uh monster of the week kind of uh, right right it's like less cerebral twilight zone yeah, those were, I think, my favorite books to read yeah. that were not, like, uh, like ongoings. Mm-hmm. It's, it's weird uh, because, you know, it's called Journey into Unknown Worlds, uh, but apparently unknown worlds consist mostly of mountain ranges in the eastern half of the United States. I can't say I know anything about them. <laughs> because we have two uh, stories in this book set, one in uh, the Ozarks, and the other in the Blue Ridge Mountains. So okay. a, a lot of a uh, camping kind of thing. Uh, one is about a, uh, a crew of scientists who are sent to investigate uh, the disappearance of another team that was sent to investigate a crashed meteor or some sort of object from space. Mm, I'm already excited. Yeah, this is, it's, it's a very interesting uh, kind of what, what is the nature of the, uh, the monster. It's like we know what the monster is and what what it's doing, but it's a a what is the the, the monster, mm. and uh, th- this one to me is much closer to the the Twilight Zone kind of thing, uh, particularly ham fisted version of the t- Twilight Zone, but Twilight Zone nevertheless. Uh, the other one is much more like the. You know, the simple, basic uh, campfire scary story, which is actually what's going on. There's a, a group of camp, uh, a group of uh, bear scouts, they're called, in the woods, uh, and they're picking on the fat kid. And it's, uh, it's an adventure that the fat kid gets into. So I'm not going to give anything away with these, but they are simple, short, 
and fun. Uh, the artwork, unlike the other ones, is is less of a throwback style artwork. These these are modern artwork styles, but a modern homage. It, they very they very well fit the stories that are being told. Oh, that's cool. So if you liked the old stories from this kind of genre, uh, and would like to see them with a more modern take on the artwork. This is a, a great book for you. I'm, I'm going to go ahead, just really quick, give it a near mint. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right, two great anthology books for our listeners, and one awesome uh, sci-fi book uh, adaptation. That's really cool. I Do we have, I think we have one more adaptation book, uh, another sci-fi classic, legendary from Ken, uh, that is just amazing and and just one of the one of the pillars I would say of modern science fiction. Ken, would you like to uh, go ahead? Uh, I think you amped this up way too much. I don't. I don't believe. So. <laughs> I don't think. I know what you what you read, and I think he is on the nose. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't imagine. There's 2001: modern... Space Odyssey. There's I would say Alien is fair. I would say Planet mm-hmm. of the Apes is amazing. And then we have. Dinosaurs. 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 <laughs> Try not to sing the theme in your head while we do this. So one of the things I wasn't aware of, I thought it was weird when I found out who wrote this new series, which is a, a reboot of the 87 cartoon show, a guy by the name of Michael Uslan. All right. Who, if you know, is pretty much the man responsible for every live action DC Comics movie to come out since 1989's Batman. Define responsible for. Uh, He actually owns the movie rights to Batman and wind up becoming uh, DC's guy who is executive producer on all these films. That's interesting. I have never. I I bet there's all like a whole story behind this that we could look into. Yeah, which we may do eventually. We might Um, have to. This is this is the seed for a new episode. And Mm. then reading the first book about the relaunch. He created the show back in 1987. Yeah, wow. apparently for his child, who was a huge dinosaur fan, and said this might be something. <laughs> I love back in the day when you could just make something by saying, "Yeah, this, this might be something." Sure. Can I say something before we get into this? Yeah, I remember two uh, two dinosaur related cartoon slash toy properties that came out at the same time, and I'm I'm assuming the same year. This was, I think, the, uh, the the inferior of the two. Was uh, the other one... What was it? Dino Wars? I was thinking Dino, Denver the Lost Dinosaur. No, Denver, the Ro- not, Denver the Last Dino Dinosaur Riders? was something. Dino that, Riders. Dino that's Riders. Riders. Thank you, Frank. No problem. I thought yeah. that was later. I thought that was, uh, that was in the 90s. I really liked no. Dino Riders. I'm pretty sure that was in the 80s. I really liked Dino Riders. Uh, I, I remember I like the them toys. being on, the same, uh, on, on TV at the same time. I vaguely remember watching Dinosaucers at like 6 or 6.30 in the morning before going into school. Yep. And uh, I could re- barely remember any of the story. But Uslan, in the first issue, talks about um, he, how he wanted to go with how, new property, how old properties are coming back, like Transformers and G.I. Joe and um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and going from that... GPG up to like a PG-13 type era, like all these new products are going. This is where he wanted to go with this. So, based on that... And the best he could do was comic books. No, it's not even that. Um, Tell me if this sounds familiar. 
there is a planet with two opposing forces of good and evil fighting each other in a civil war that wind up coming to Earth, dragging humans into the fray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, a lot of this plays like Transformers. That they, oh. Because they transform into no, dinosaurs. No. But like the, the principle of why they come to Earth and, and the battle yeah. and the civil war and everything. And the way that this book opens almost feels like you're reading a Michael Bay story. Oh, that's an interesting choice. Because it that's opens up with like choice. with the government and, and NASA tracking some, some something up in space and um, the Hubble telescope gets wiped out and no! we they get a response from Voyager when it originally went up and apparently uh, it's been the timing of this the, satel- of the, the satellite, not the star. I'm sorry, not yeah, the, the, not the satellite. The, uh, yeah. Okay, not not the uh, starship. Mm. So all the data from the satellite was taken, re-encoded, and sent back to Earth. Right. Okay. Yeah. With information of whoever got it, saying, "Hey, listen, we know where all your military bases are. We know how your governments run, and this and that. And it's an invasion, which essentially kind of plays off a little bit like Independence Day as well, mm. where these tyrannical uh, dinosaurs, mm. led by their leader Rex." Mm. Um, sets up ships in every major, um, uh, I guess, country with their on top of their head of state or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, a- any explanation as to why these are dinosaurs? So yes, there is. All right, Uh-oh. good. You guys have heard that principle that there's an alternate Earth directly. Okay, opposite yeah. On the yeah. Earth. No, counter Earth, counter yeah. Earth, right? Mm-hmm. Essentially, that's what it is. But on that Earth, oh. the meteorites didn't come and wipe out the dinosaurs so they evolved literally just to be slightly more oh so they're not coming from far out no how did they intercept voyager why do they bother (laughs) why couldn't they have just listened and you know much like uh 50s and 60s sci-fi these aliens have depleted all their natural resources Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well they don't have any fossil fuels because they made it oh yeah yeah, and, now, and they've been doing it for you know 150 billion years. Yeah, and somehow they found out that that there's our Earth, and they're gonna come over and use us for food and use all of our natural resources what the, and bring back, bring try to bring their planet dude, back. Go, nice. go to Venus. Venus has nothing going on. They actually make a comment. Somehow Mars came up and said, "Well, that's a dead planet." Blah blah blah, and yeah, yeah whatever. Uh, 150 million years and you can't come up with terraforming? It's an interesting concept that seems like it borrows from a lot of other <laughs> properties. Oh, yeah. I could see that. <laughs> so in that respect, I mean, I-, I have my issues there. It's not as original, but uh, it's an okay read. If, I- if I'm going to grade it, I'm gonna- I'll-, I'll go good. I'll put it right, right in the center there. All right, it- it's- good. It's okay. Good. Good that it's good. Oh, I'm it's, glad we ended on a good to up. be good. Well, you know what? I, 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 to be honest, there's nostalgia always pulls you in. I don't know if I have a hell of a lot of nostalgia for for dinosaurs, other than the title. Uh, and yes, it. By the way, d- apparently, dinosaurs came out '87. Uh, Dino Riders was '88. Really? Okay. So very close to each other. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the only thing that really sticks in my mind. It's hard to put my finger on it there's just this one aspect that just is just really important to me 
used to be four ordinary teenagers. Yeah, that's it. That's Until it. one day, we met some new friends from out of town. They were called Dinosaurs. This comes from the theme song school of Say the Name a Hundred Thousand Times. Yeah. And it works. I heard that this was actually intended to be, instead of a comic series, a movie. But when he found out that he couldn't secure the rights to the original theme song, (laughs) it was just, no, screw it. We'll do a comic book. That seems right. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Near Mid, please like and follow and subscribe so you can get the latest in your podcaster of choice. Oh, and leave us a good review so more people find out about the show and dinosaurs. Thanks, everyone. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablaoui. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.